KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, June 16th. The state's reopened, but the pandemic isn't over. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The most recent Cal OSHA draft order regarding masking aligns state guidelines with the CDC's and says fully vaccinated individuals do not need to wear masks at work. California Governor Gavin Newsom is now putting the whole question to rest. Look, if they adopt the guidelines they published Friday, the answer is no, and we'll codify that with an executive order to make that clear on the 17th. Without the governor's executive order, it would be 10 days before the order could take effect. The newly approved San Diego City budget includes $350,000 to launch the Office of Child and Youth Success. Warson Artun is with the group Youth Will. For the first time in the city of San Diego, we have an office where we're like, what does a young person need? If a tomorrow a child is born in the city of San Diego, right, what would they need to grow up to be young, successful, you know, functioning adult? The office will help young people find jobs, training, mental health resources, and other focused support. Planning for the office will begin in early July. The Sierra Club's San Diego chapter is asking Mayor Todd Gloria to temporarily close the sea lion rookery in La Jolla. Sea lion pupping season began this month, and the club says large crowds and irresponsible tourists contributed to the death of a sea lion pup earlier this year. Signs were put up around La Jolla warning visitors to keep their distance from the sea lions, but the Sierra Club says they're not enough. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Tuesday was a day of rejoicing, reopening, and reflection. Restrictions once in place to save lives are now lifted in what was celebrated as a statewide grand reopening. Our story begins with words of hope and of warning. Here's KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman. It's been pure hell, man, but, but we're coming out of that. So... I'm just being honest. In Liberty Station at the public market, business owners like Tony Smalls are hopeful that California's big reopening will have a big impact on their bottom line. Looking forward to seeing more people in here, building, you know, building up the crowd. So all of these vendors in here, we can start to make more money so we can take care of our families. Social distancing requirements are officially gone. And for those fully vaccinated, these masks can now come off indoors. It's been you know, kind of interesting to just see the general mood of the market. Most people seem to be wearing masks still as they come inside. Matt Gordon with Blue Bridge Hospitality manages the market here, which will soon have some tables inside again. Since March of last year, we've had no indoor consumption. Everything was for outdoor consumption only or to go. Lots of the time we had to limit how many people were in the market. 
For the first time in more than a year, restaurants, bars, gyms, and other businesses can operate at full capacity. Hopefully people feel a little bit more comfortable with uh, the easing of restrictions and uh, they come out and visit us more. Some people at Liberty Station were not wearing face coverings, but the vast majority still were. State guidance says those unvaccinated have to wear them in indoor public spaces and everyone vaccinated or not has to keep them on in schools when riding public transit or at hospitals. If businesses want to continue to require people to wear masks, they can do that. California workers will have to keep on face coverings until Cal OSHA updates workplace rules, which could happen by the end of this month. County Public Health Officer Dr. Wilma Wooten says more than 75 percent of eligible San Diegans are now vaccinated with at least their first dose, putting the community in a good position to reopen and start mixing again. We are very excited about where we are today, but it doesn't mean that things are over. In the coming months, the vaccination push will shift to kids under 12 years old. We continue to urge San Diegans to get vaccinated. Uh, please do that. Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says daily case counts remain low, and today is a day to celebrate hard work and get back to pre-pandemic life. Lifting essentially all restrictions, reopening uh, all aspects of our life, and we're now poised for a tremendous economic recovery. Restaurant owners have one piece of advice for those hitting the town again. To all the guests going out to dine, most people that have been working in restaurants for the past few months have been working real, real hard and long hours and extra shifts to try to keep those doors open, so be kind. For now, there will still be some restrictions for mega indoor events like negative testing or proof of vaccination requirements, which applies to conferences and concerts. And that was KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman. A funeral was held for two San Diego Police Department detectives who were killed in a wrong-way crash earlier this month. KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell has more. Right now, there's nothing to do but grieve. Still numb by the horrific accident that took two of their own, the San Diego Police Department honored the lives of detectives Ryan Park and Jamie Huntley Park. Ryan and Jamie were killed in a wrong-way crash June 4 on Interstate 5 in San Isidro. The married couple were in their early 30s, both described as dedicated detectives who lovingly served their community. They were both promoted to detective together in 2018, and on Tuesday, they were laid to rest in a joint casket. I loved him. I loved working with him. And when my phone rang Friday, it crushed me. Chaplain Dale Larimore shared some of his favorite memories of Ryan. We were seven hours into a 10-hour shift, and I was getting hungry. And I said, hey, man, this... Let's go get something to eat. And he goes, no, I'm good. And he reaches in, in the seat pocket and he pulls out a bag of Skittles. <laughs> and I'm like, no, man, that's not going to cut it. Jamie wasn't just an excellent police detective, but a dedicated hockey coach. Chaplain Chuck Price spoke to Jamie's hockey team present at the memorial. Go forward and make her proud. Achieve what you don't think you can achieve. As for the family in blue they leave behind, Price shared some words of encouragement. Be glad you were gifted with their friendship. Be thankful that their impact on your life made you a better person. And that reporting from KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell. 
A grassroots organization is collecting signatures to recall an Oceanside City Council member after doubts rose over where she lives. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has the story. Corey Jensen was appointed to Oceanside's vacant District 1 council seat back in January. The term for the seat lasts until November 2022. But a local grassroots organization called Let Oceanside Vote is collecting signatures to recall Jensen before then. 22,000 voters uh, should have their voice instead of just three council members making a choice for us as to who will represent us in District 1. Cindy Davenport is the organization's team leader. She and volunteers have been going into the District 1 community informing voters of the recall. Davenport says the effort was sparked by Jensen's vote to close the Brook Street Pool, a city pool serving the District 1 community. Our jaws dropped, <laughs> and so that immediately um, told us that this person is not representing us, and so uh, we need to vote. Jensen says the pool vote was a misunderstanding while the city was trying to find ways to pay for its pools. If that helped us with the shortfall regarding the pools, then I thought, well, that's probably an option to do seasonal hours like Marshall Street. In the end, Jensen voted to keep the pool open. But that incident led to more scrutiny and questions about where Jensen lives because of tax records showing a Carlsbad address. The district attorney wound up investigating claims that Jensen lied about living in Oceanside and found no criminal wrongdoing. My mother's parents came from Mexico. In the 1940s, they actually came to Oceanside. My grandfather started the first linen supply business here in Oceanside to service Camp Pendleton. Oceanside is where my heart is, it's where my family is, and this is where I live and have always lived. This is my home. Recall organizers say Jensen still hasn't provided tangible proof that she lives in the city. Jensen says she sees where residents are coming from and why they want an election. I'm just hoping that they'll give me a chance to do some good and then um, go from there because we will have an election. And if I do a good job and I run for election, hopefully I'll get my position back. But, you know, it's going to be up to the voters at that point. Lit Oceanside Vote has until September 10th to collect just over 4,000 signatures. Then the Register of Voters will have 30 days to verify those signatures before the recall can proceed. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. The heat is on and San Diego beaches are flooded with visitors from all over. KPBS's Melissa May took a stroll along the coast and got some reactions to COVID-19 restrictions being lifted. After 15 long months where facial covering, social distancing, and limited capacity have become a part of our normal routine, California officially reopens to pre-COVID status. And what better way to celebrate than with sun, sand, and the ocean? Today's like the first day. Yay! Charlene Grayson is a San Diego native and loves being at the beach without a mask. The beach means everything to me. I was born and raised in San Diego, so I can't surf anymore. Certain things I can't do as life goes on, but the bicycle and my dogs, I grab a different dog every time and 
come down and ride the boardwalk. Las Vegas resident Lauren King has been enjoying the beach with no restrictions. It's just nice to see everybody's faces again, people smiling at everybody. So we absolutely love it here. To be at the beach and not have to wear a mask is amazing, and especially not having to worry about putting a mask on him is 10 times better. Even with the pandemic restrictions lifted, there are still some people who prefer to wear masks. I feel more comfortable with the mask because I'm, I'm kind of like a germaphobe. So I'm kind of a little bit scared to get sick, but I also want to come out and like have fun. Isabella Gonzalez came down from Corona to enjoy the beach after a year of online learning. Like I totally forgot that like COVID was even a thing. So it was like really nice. And that story from KPBS's Melissa May. Coming up, KPBS Midday Edition heard a lot from San Diegans on how they're feeling about restrictions being lifted. We'll have that story next. Plus, the movie In the Heights opened last week, serving up a multiracial musical feast. Could this herald a change in Hollywood? More on that from our arts reporter, Beth Accomando, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Yesterday, on the occasion of the county's reopening, Midday Edition got lots of San Diegans to tell us how they feel about going out again. Will they go dancing? Will they go to concerts, plays, and other arts events with live audiences? We heard from a lot of you. Here's a selection. My uh, name is Richard Chow Davis, and I live in San Carlos. I'm unsure. Uh, I suspect we will be closed down within a month because of... uh, pools of unvaccinated and variants. Most other nations seem to have done the same. I mean, they open too early and uh, then they just have to close again. So I'm afraid we're jumping again. My name is Forrest Taylor and I live in Camp Pendleton. I am about to go event crazy. I feel great about the vaccine and honestly, not that concerned about people who've refused to get it yet. They made their call. Not gonna spit on anyone, but you better believe I'm going to be dancing with strangers. I just purchased Broadway tickets today. So my name is Elena Bartakova. And in terms of arts and events that are opening up now in San Diego, where I live, um, the question being, would I participate to any? Um, my answer is, I mean, I would, but very cautiously. I want, I would like to go to events such as concerts and plays. I love theater and music, but going into a closed space, especially with children that are not vaccinated yet and that are cannot be vaccinated due to the age, I wouldn't do it. If anything, I'd be more cautious than less because now we have no way of knowing who's vaccinated and people will start removing their masks. And until we reach herd immunity, which is that magical 70 plus percent vaccinated number, my children are now in more danger than they were before, since now everybody will be unmasked and the transmission could actually go up. So I will be very cautious. I'll take them to the park, to a play outside, but we are not going to the cinema yet. 
Hi, my name is Dylan Cawthorn. Um, I'm, I'm definitely really excited to return to live music and show my support for bands that are coming through and local venues like the Casbah, Soda Bar, and Brick by Brick. Um, I definitely will feel more comfortable at venues that have a mask policy, but I, I don't really anticipate canceling plans because of a, a certain venue's policies at this point. I'm Eve Gross. My pronouns are she and her, and I live in San Diego, California. I'd be happy to go to any live performances if they're outdoors or in a large, well-ventilated space. If indoors, capacity would have to be limited quite a bit for me to feel comfortable. Uh, my concern is that the vaccine isn't protecting us against other variants, or when our vaccine actually wears off, if we go back to the way things were with full capacity, we could have a really bad spike of the virus again. And I don't want to get caught up in that. Also, as a musician in a band, I'm a singer, so I would only want to play outdoor shows. Uh, that's the only thing that would make me feel comfortable. My name is Anthony King. I live in Hillcrest. I'm eager to be in person to support the artistic community in our region again. I know there are certainly many benefits to virtual or recorded events, but for me, really nothing can be cheering on the musicians and actors and writers and artists while um, being in the audience. I'm probably gonna be a little bit nervous in larger groups, especially indoors, um, but really I, I trust the vaccines and I know that that's what they're for. And when I'm feeling super stressed, I can always put on a mask, but I know that a mask won't be able to hide my excitement. Those are San Diegans telling us what they think about their return to social life and live events. In the Heights opened last week, and it serves up a rare commodity, a big-budget Hollywood musical created by a Puerto Rican-American, directed by an Asian-American, and featuring a racially diverse cast. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando explores what the wide release of a film like this could mean. Calixto Chinchilla runs the New York Latino Film Festival and has been following the evolution of In the Heights since it began percolating in the mind of Lin-Manuel Miranda more than a decade ago. Chinchilla sees it as a love letter to his former neighborhood. Let me just listen to my block. The unfortunate thing is that, you know, the Heights is changing. You know, the gentrification is real. You know, a lot of us can't afford to be there anymore. It's a different neighborhood. So that even that movie becomes a time capsule, if you will. Say it. So it doesn't disappear. Washington Heights! In the Heights tells a particular story about one community. But Latino playwright Herbert Seguenza says that's not how Hollywood sees it. They put us all in this one homogenous group, and it's, it's just very unfortunate. Unfortunate and problematic, says Ethan Vontilo, founder of the San Diego Latino Film Festival. The problem is we put too much pressure on these movies because it's the one film of the whole year. This has happened many times. I've seen this over the years, right? All this pressure is put on this one film, and if it's not a success, then they say, okay, well, that's why. The audiences don't want to see their movies. Seguenza says the scarcity of these films is the issue because they, we want them to represent all of our feelings, all of our history, all of our uh, nuances. And that's just impossible. It's just impossible. Uh, we have tons of stories, but they're just not represented in Hollywood. Both Seguenza and Vontilo have grown jaded about Hollywood telling their stories. I heard a lot of people celebrating, oh my gosh, in the Heights, it's going to be, a, you know, a big change and we're going to see more Latinos in front of the screen and behind the screen. But, you know, we unfortunately, I've heard that before. <laughs> We've seen that a few times with other films. Films like Zoot Suit, which challenged stereotypes 40 years ago. 
it's always important to remember those who have come before us and films like Zoot Suit paved the way for someone like Miranda to even make what he's currently made into Hollywood to even distribute what's being made. For a young Latino filmmaker like Luis Martinez of 2AM Burrito Productions, the film was a mixed bag. I would have liked to seen uh, a Latinx director have the reins of this, but it made me feel really good to see it on the screen and made me feel really good that a studio put its money behind a project like that. In the Heights, which opened in theaters and streaming on HBO Max, underperformed at the box office in Hollywood's eyes. But Martinez says that's an easy story to pitch an editor. In the Heights underperforms. What does this spell for Latinx audiences moving forward? But I think the people that are going to make the next project are going to get the real streaming numbers from HBO. You know, when you have access of dual releases online, every, you know, HBO Max password out there is getting used by three or four different Latino families. That's close to 80 people that could have theoretically watched the movie during the weekend. No matter how the film performed, Fontilo says the Latino community is excited about it. Just kind of seeing how already families are already reacting via social media, just like the sense of pride and seeing oneself on, uh, on the big screen. Seguenza agrees. But I think people are just reacting emotionally because we just don't see ourselves. We just don't see ourselves on film. Martinez suggests celebrating the film while still taking time to criticize it where necessary, as with the lack of Afro-Latino representation. I think that as long as we have that conversation while still supporting it so that more artists like myself and other artists that are out there creating content and telling stories in all genres uh, have the chance to make more films is, is, is what I would like to see come out of this. Little details that tell the world we are not invisible. That is a theme that we got to really live up to. Again, Herbert Seguenza. We have to have more movies with specific details that really show us as human beings, as three-dimensional characters and not just these kind of cartoonish dancers. I really want to see something a little more substantive than this, you know. In the Heights may show we've come a long way since West Side Story, but there's still a long way to go. That was KPBS arts reporter and cinema junkie host Beth Accomando. In the Heights is currently in cinemas and available for streaming on HBO Max. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.